Welcome to VidFriends Podcast, Living Life and Love. I'm your host, Mark Braxton from Raleigh, North Carolina. This is a new segment titled Perspectives. Each episode will feature perspectives about vitiligo from our family members, friends, colleagues, associates, and from our youth. For more information about VidFriends Podcast, you can visit us at www.vidfriends.org. You can also call me at 1-844-374-3639, extension 4. You can also email me at lllpodcasts at gmail.com. BitFriends Podcast is sponsored by My Vitiligo Team. Welcome to Living Life and Love. I'm your host, Mark Braxton from Raleigh, North Carolina. So today's show is a very unique one. Um, I'm calling this Perspectives, and this will be a limited series that I'm doing. And for this particular episode, I'm featuring some of our teens from the Vitiligo community. So I'd like to welcome Vishnu and Bella. Welcome. Thank you for having us, Mark. Thank you for having us here, Mark. You're welcome. You're welcome. So I'm going to start off with this discussion, um, and, and I wanted to have this as well, because a lot of times we hear your story through the lenses of the adults and not directly from you. So this gives you an opportunity to share and discuss and talk about your journey with vitiligo. And I want to talk about some of the positive aspects of it too, because I know a lot of times in the community, we hear about the challenges, we know about the frustrations, but I also want to hear some good things that come out of this. Um, so let's start, I'm going to start with Vishnu. When I say vitiligo, what are some of your first thoughts? So when I think of vitiligo, I just think of my journey and how it all started. And I think back to sixth grade when I first developed it, I was in bed and I woke up and I see these spots on my stomach and I was really confused at first, but eventually my parents recognized it as vitiligo. And immediately after that, we did rush over to as many dermatologists as we could find. And at this point in time, I was living in India, so the treatment was slightly different. But we did kind of talk to a lot of different dermatologists and a lot of different hospitals about the treatment that could incur. And I'm not going to lie, it wasn't as um, structured and organized as I preferred it to be. But I did get treatment early on. And eventually I was fortunate enough for it to be contained only in my stomach region and not really spread farther from that. But when I think of vitiligo, that's kind of the what I remember and just the entire journey from sixth grade to eighth grade when I had it, and I still have it. It's just not active or spreading in any way. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing. And let me say this to our listeners before I get to Bella. A lot of times when we think vitiligo, most people think on your face. You know, they think the worst case scenario, you know, whether it's 80%, 70% deep pigmentation. However, you know, you can have it in one spot. It can be hidden and you'll never know a person has vitiligo unless they tell you or you see it. So, you know, it's good to hear, you know, some of these journeys and how treatment can be effective for some of us. It doesn't work for everybody. We, and we know that it's not a one size fits all. Everybody's body's different, but it seems like for Vishnu, it, it worked for you and, and it, you know, kept yours at bay. And that gives hope to somebody out there who says, well, wow, there's nothing that's going to work for me. We know it's not a cure, but it's a treatment that can stop the spread. 
on that, let's go to Bella. So same question to you, Bella, when you think vitiligo, you hit a word vitiligo, what comes to mind? Like Vishnu said, I think just the journey and everything I've been through with vitiligo, like Vishnu, I was also diagnosed around um, seventh grade. So I was about his age and just like being in middle school in general, that's a hard time. And to deal with vitiligo is also much more difficult. Um, and I guess just being dealing with these spots and not knowing what they were and going to like five different dermatologists, like Vishnu said, it was taxing for like a little kid who was really naive, didn't know what was going on. Um, but I did like Vishnu, I found treatment that eventually did work for me. And right now I am stable like Vishnu. And there are some people that don't know I have vitiligo because they can't see it. Like you said before, at one point it was on my face and that was very difficult for me to deal with, wrap my head around. I had to explain it to some of my friends, obviously, because they saw, um, but treatment was effective. I was using UVB phototherapy in addition to topical creams. And I think the combination of that together really worked for me. So like you said, like there is hope um, for people who don't really know treatments um, that can work for them. There's a ton of treatments um, other than just creams and phototherapy as well. So there's a lot of options. And like Vishnu said, I'm really like, I'm really glad that I have access to these treatments. And I think that's also like the challenge with vitiligo. When I also think of vitiligo, I think of like affordability and how that's a problem right now. Um, so I really hope that improves in the future. Absolutely. Uh, and and I'm gonna address that real quick, that affordability. I do feel like that is one of the biggest challenges we have in our community where some people can't afford the treatment because insurance won't cover it. And we're hoping in the future that that will change that the insurance companies will say, you know what, we will provide this service for you and not, not have you pay, you know, $2,000 for a treatment plus. Um, and even with the new treatment that's on the market, Opsilura, you know, it's, if you can't afford it, it's not going to benefit you. And what we're finding that some people's insurance companies are saying, no, you know, we're not going to cover that because it's um, considered cosmetic. So that's one of the challenges we have in our community. And that affects all of us, whether you're younger or older, you know, that is a challenge that we have to tackle, but we have to tackle it together. Um, I, I was thinking about the treatments, like myself, I did the topical cream. Uh, it did not work for me. And one of the things I'm finding out talking to different dermatologists, the longer you wait, the less some treatments may work. You know, they say Absolor may work better, you know, regardless of how long you've had vitiligo or not. But um, I'm I'm finding they want to catch people that that develop the vitiligo within that three year mark, maybe up to five years, you know. But after that, it they feel like the treatment may not be as effective or take longer to treat. So I think it's all a learning process for the researchers, it's a learning process for the doctors, and for us that live with vitiligo. And um, but let's talk about the journey itself because it, as bella you mentioned middle school is a crazy I, i'm just gonna say it is a crazy time in any child's life uh i started off working in the middle school so i firsthand watching middle schoolers and i'm going wow this is different like elementary school you know they're still young kids and you start to see that change by fourth and fifth grade but middle school is where you're no longer that younger kid 
but you're not quite that high schooler. So let's talk about your journeys and interacting with your friends and, and teachers. What was that experience like having your vitiligo and having to have these interactions day after day? And let's start with Bella, then we'll go to Vishnu. Sure. Yeah, like you said, middle school is just, it's a transition period. And for a lot of people, it's, it, awkwardness comes with that and shyness. Like I was always quiet, like really shy, quiet kid. But I guess vitiligo just made me like even worse. Um, I don't know. I feel like the point when it was the worst was towards eighth grade when I had it on my face because I came back from like spring spring break and I had it like above my eyebrows and I just made up lies. Like I told people that I had sunburn and like it didn't make sense. But in my head, like that was better than telling them that it was vitiligo because I simply just didn't want to deal with the questions. And I didn't want to deal with the curiosity that like all middle school students have. So that was difficult for me. Um, but I'm also a swimmer and at swim, you can't cover up. You can't really hide anything. So they saw the other spots on my body that the people at school didn't see. So at swim, I was kind of forced to tell them what was going on. And I think in my opinion, that really helped me transition that acceptance into like all facts of my life, but it definitely took time. Like it really was not until high school that I was able to fully accept my vitiligo and tell people about it. And real quick before we get to Benjamin, what was your high school experience like? We know middle school, like you said, middle school is a unique time in a child's life where you're trying to process what's happening to my body, what's happening to mentally, emotionally, everything. Um, but high school, you're a little more settled. You're supposed to be a little more settled. Um, and you are, you know, thinking about your future, you know, college is coming up and what I do after I graduate from high school. But well, what was your high school experience like? Sure. So I'm a senior now. So there's definitely some transitions between when I was a 14 year old freshman to now. So as a freshman, like I was completely stable. No one knew that I had vitiligo and then sophomore year it came back. And then I was faced with all this, like redoing the whole process, redoing treatment. So that was when I kind of knew that I would have to embrace it because it, I'm going to have it for life. I'm going to deal with it for life. It's not going to go away. And there's no way to know when and if it's going to go away. So that was when I started to do like more research about the disease. Like I am really into science. So that's definitely something that I want to go into when I'm in college and in the, um, in the workforce. So I think that really helped me sort of develop an interest in vitiligo was just learning about it on like the molecular level and like what's actually going on in my body. So then once I was sort of like fascinated with the disease, I guess that kind of helped me embrace it a little bit. And it is an autoimmune skin condition. So telling people that it wasn't contagious was also really helpful. And this group in general has really helped me like purple patch teen being able to talk about my feelings within this tight knit group of people who know what I'm going through was really helpful. And then that also helps me um, in school and with all of my other peers and opening up to them and feeling confident. Absolutely, absolutely. And thank you for sharing that. And before we get to you, Vishnu, I just want to say a lot of times as adults, we make assumptions as to the experience of our children or of our teenagers, but it's good to hear it directly from you. So that way there's no assuming that, well, all of our kids are struggling with this or they're dealing with that. 
yes, all of us have dealt with something in some form or fashion as a youth, as a teen. But it's also good to hear about your journey with vitiligo. And, you know, it didn't stop you from swimming. You know, you could have easily said, no, I don't want to swim anymore. I have vitiligo. You know, it didn't stop you from saying, hey, I want to go into science because I want to discover more. I want to find out, you know, what's happening to my body on a, on a molecular level, you know. And I always say this, and I'm going to go to you, Vishnu. I didn't forget about you. Uh, that I feel like there is a gene that lies dormant within all of us, almost like I'm going to go there, like the X-Men. You know, you think about these Marvel comics and superheroes and you wake up one day, you have the special power. Um, I almost feel like vitiligo is one of those genes that lies dormant, but we just don't know how to identify it, you know? And hopefully maybe one day, one of you will discover, hey, this is what we discovered about, you know, the vitiligo gene or vitiligo, whatever is there, that we're going to cure this disease, we're going to stop it. Um, and for our listeners, there's no cure right now. And I say right now because that means that gives us hope for the future. I say right now. So on that, let's go to you, Vinjadu. Um, Same thing about you know, middle school and you know high school experience. And I know you have something planned for the future as well. So we'll talk about that. Yeah, um, I just wanted to really quickly say it's really nice to hear Bella's story and how she overcame that and how she's um, using that to kind of pursue her interest. Um, but onto my story, I think the first thing that comes to mind um, about my middle school journey with vitiligo is confusion. Um, I think when I first developed it, I was mainly just confused um, about what I was dealing with, how this would impact me in the future. I wasn't able to fathom the consequences of this. Um, my parents were first worried about it, about people on the streets looking at me and kind of staying away from me, thinking vitiligo was contagious or um, in the future, maybe when I had severe vitiligo, people would turn me down for jobs um, based solely based on the basis of my appearance or um, people at school, middle schoolers just constantly asking me questions. And I think it was my parents that were primarily worried at first um, and that kind of worried me. And that just kind of led to a jumble of confusion. I think that, like I mentioned earlier, um, we did go to a lot of dermatologists and received a lot of treatments. The specific ones that I received were Melgain, which is a topical treatment um, where I used to apply it and sit in the sun for a while. Um, and also I received phototherapy for a little bit, as well as tacrolimacin ointment. And I think the way that I interacted with my peers and my teachers, I didn't tell any of them because it was on my stomach. I was fortunate enough that it didn't spread to my face. Um, so I'm forever grateful that I wasn't, I didn't suffer like some other people did with vitiligo and, um, like, like Bella did with her facial vitiligo, but I didn't need to tell anyone and I didn't tell anyone, but I still felt somewhat like an outcast, somewhat different from everyone because I had this condition that other people had. I felt abnormal. Um, and that was sort of my middle school experience, but when eighth grade, kind of towards the end of eighth grade came around, it kind of stopped spreading. And that was how it went. You you mentioned about the future, about, you know, interacting with strangers. You talked about jobs and, and I'm going to even add relationships, uh, whether it's a friendship, whether it's just colleagues. Vitiligo as an adult could make all those things challenging. Um, 
I know I've I've been turned away from some jobs. In particular, uh, I went to apply for uh, as a, a position as an art teacher for this company, and the lady when I walked through the, the door, she looked terrified. Like she looked at my hands, like Ugh. you know, she didn't say it. I could see it on her face. All she kept looking at were my hands, and because you know that's where most of it's on my hands and arms and feet, other places, but you know. I felt very uncomfortable just when that initial reaction and I didn't even get, get a call back to say you were not selected. You know, it was just kind of dropped, but I knew when I walked out, um, it was a bad situation. Um, not necessarily just for me, but for, you know, this woman who has a company that to me did not understand what my condition was, did not understand what vitiligo was. And I felt that had she asked me, I would have said I have a skin condition. It's an autoimmune disease, you know, uh, vitiligo, and we could have moved on from there. And I think that's a big part of it, um, having to explain without fear to people what what's happening to us. You know, yes, it's vitiligo. It's not contagious. It's it's not going to go anywhere. You know, even if I'm 100% depigmented, guess what? I still have vitiligo. You know, um, but it's not harmful. In that way, you know, to anyone else, but for us, it can be challenging. You know, we have our, you know, emotional aspect of it, the mental aspect of, you know, living with vitiligo and the challenges. Um, let's talk a little bit about family and friends and that connection. Um, how did they view your vitiligo? And I know eventually you said, you know, your parents are very concerned about your future. Um, can you elaborate a little bit more, maybe some of the impact of family, not always just your parents, but maybe cousins, aunts, uncles, or even friends that you that you have or had? Because I'm going to be honest, I had a lot of friends and, you know, vitiligo developed. And I feel like, and it could have, a lot of it could have been on me, where some of those friendships have dissolved and we've gone in different directions. Um, and I can't always blame the other person because I think it was some of my doing. Well, I stepped back from people to hide because I have vitiligo. Vishnu, share some of your thoughts about that, please. Yeah, so like I said earlier, my parents were very concerned. And along with reaching out to as many dermatologists they could find, they talked to a lot of doctors in the family. Um, so I have an uncle and an aunt who are both doctors. One's a pediatrician, one is a dermatologist. And they would constantly talk to them about it and kind of receive their advice on what to do about it. And they were mostly supportive um, being doctors and trying to tell me what to do. But my parents also talked to other relatives um, and other cousins about my vitiligo condition, kind of just receiving advice on what to do, not from a medical perspective, but from a social perspective. And they were mostly supportive. Um, my family kind of always had my back and supported me through it and kind of told me what to do and um, supported me when I felt low about my condition. My friends, I didn't particularly tell them about my condition, or at least early on, um, because I had it primarily in my stomach. It wasn't anywhere visible, so I didn't need to tell them about anything. But when I grew up later on in high school, I did tell a couple of my friends that I trusted, and I was really grateful to receive their support, and none of them kind of like looked at me differently or acted differently towards me. Um, and they kind of just like understood where I was coming from. 
and supported me through it, supported me the, through the struggles. And um, I know that not a lot of people have the same experience. I'm extremely privileged and fortunate to have this experience, but that is my side of the story. And thank you for sharing. I greatly appreciate it. I wrote down some bullet points and I'll come back to those a little bit later. Bella, can you share? Yeah, so like Vishnu, I have a lot of family members who are in the medical field. Like I have a grandfather who's um, a rheumatologist. So he was the first person that we sort of reached out to. And he was the one who actually connected me with a specialist in the field of vitiligo. And that was really crucial to where I am now was getting that access. And I'm so fortunate that I have that because these specialists are so difficult to get to like in terms of um location obviously they're not like 10 minutes from your house like they're far like we had to drive two hours and i'm sure there's people that have to take a flight to get to a specialist so i'm really grateful for that and basically all of my family members were really supportive like vishnu is so happy that that is my experience um at first my parents were obviously really concerned about their 13 year old girl dealing with vitiligo and how that would impact like my friends and my social life and it was really fine for me because i had these close-knit group of friends that i trusted and i guess i told them first like i really didn't open up to everyone about my condition but i did tell my um my small circle of friends and at swim, like I told people at swim and they were really supportive. I think the big factor in all of this is that it's not contagious. So I think once I told them that they're like, okay, she looks different. She's not going to hurt us. We're not going to get infected, like whatever. And they got over it. So I'm really happy. That's what I had to deal with instead of these extremes that a lot of other people face. So I'm really thankful. Absolutely. And, and I wrote down a few things that you guys said that I feel like is very important for our listeners to understand. Um, first is access. You know, as we encourage people to seek treatment sometimes or to find that support, um, you have to have access to it. And we have to remember that, you know, when you think vitiligo, it's not just here in the U.S., it's global. And so when you talk to people from other countries, sometimes they don't have access one to information and then two maybe to a dermatologist or a specialist and or support communities so they go to um the internet they come to you know uh facebook to find you know a way to connect with people and what made me think about it was a woman um i think it's apricia i can't 100 remember i spoke to her early in last year wow it's been a while um but she's from brazil and i had to get a translator to have a conversation with her um, but things that I take for granted here that, you know, for her, her journey's different, you know, um, her story is completely different. And I think sometimes in the U.S., we are privileged to have, you know, universities around or dermatologists, even like you said, two hours away, but some people might not have them at all in their countries, you know, and I just want to make sure that people know that, you know, our journeys are the same, but they are different depending on where you're at in this world. And I, I'm glad you, you know, brought that up about having access. And then we talk about, you mentioned um, trust, understanding, and support. I think those three things are very key for all of us because 
we have to trust people. And, and it's hard sometimes when you have vitiligo because you don't know how the other person's going to take it. You know, this is what I have. And as soon as you say that dreaded word disease, automatically they assume, oh, this is contagious. No, no, it's not. It's an autoimmune disease, but yet it's not contagious. It's contained to me, but you got to also have understanding. And that's where the education and awareness comes in. Um, and there are people that understand a lot, but once we're able to get to that point, we can share it open to those people. We'll realize people are more understanding than, than we give them credit for. And in particular, I say kids. Um, I work in an elementary school. And at the end of last year, I started doing presentations for the different classes about uh, how understanding differences and recognizing that we are more alike than we're different. And then I will tie it into vitiligo. And I had so many kids say, I have an uncle, my aunt, my grandparents, you know, or my mom, you know, it, and they understood and they did not judge me. And actually, I think I got more love after that for just being able to share with them my journey. And I commend you to, to, you know, as, as you're interacting with your friends and you're sharing, because like Vishnu, you didn't have to share, you know, you didn't have to say anything because you could have hid it from them for 40 years and they would never know. And, but Bella, you're in a situation where, you know, you're in a swim team. So people are going to see it and they're going to want to know, well, what is, why is her skin different? And you could have just said, well, it's just my skin. I don't need to explain it to you. However, you took it as an opportunity to teach people. And I want to see more of that within our community where we share and teach people, regardless of how old you are, you know, and support. That support is so important. Um, not just family, but colleagues. And, and it was one time in my life, I felt like I had no support. I, that's the way I felt. Not to say it was that way, but that's just how I felt. Um, until I said, I have to live my life differently. And that was in 2019 when I decided to go to a support community leading up to being with BitFriends and having this podcast. And now I feel like the support is all around. Like it's not just local because I'm looking for people right here in North Carolina. No, there's support. I have friends in other countries. Um, there's one of my friends from the Czech Republic and then over here, at, you know, Canada and then you go across the waters just a little bit ways in Puerto Rico or different places where we can all connect with each other. And I want to get to that because a lot of times we talk about the negative aspect of living with vitiligo. And I want to switch gears and talk about the positive aspect. And I'm going to share first and I'll throw it over to you guys. Um, if I did not have vitiligo, I would not have connected with so many people in this community. Just to be honest, I would not have met um, Valerie from Boston and his people in Detroit and Chicago. You know, my inner circle was very small and that's the way I liked it. But now I have another circle outside of that. Um, and as I mentioned, the people I've connected with through other countries, if I didn't have this podcast, which was given to me um, during the pandemic, to connect with people. Like even now, I wouldn't be talking to you two. You know, Vishnu, you're right there in Georgia. We were in Georgia back in March. However, they didn't get a chance to meet you until, you know, um, World Vitiligo Day. Bella, I've spoken to you before, you and Priyanka uh, on the podcast. So it gives me a chance to connect with you again. You know, you just think about all these different ways we're connecting. And I'm thinking about the positive impacts, you know, of getting to know people, getting to meet people, getting to connect. 
So I want you two to take some time just to share some of the positive impacts that Vitiligo has had on you. Uh, let's start with Bella. So when I think about Vitiligo and its positive impacts, I immediately think about my personal growth as like a human being and where I've made improvements from when I was diagnosed at 13 to where I am now at 17. And like I mentioned before, I was so shy. Like I did not participate in class. I sat there and watched the chaos go down and I just like observed. I didn't want to get involved. I did my work quietly and I didn't involve myself in anything. And I think having vitiligo at first definitely made that worse. But then once I understood my disease and I came to the conclusion that I was gonna have it for life and I accepted it. And like you said, I met all of these people through Vit friends that were like me. And I think through this group, I was able to find like a voice in myself and to talk about it was so like, it was freeing to just talk about it with everyone. And in this group, I was able to then translate that into my other side of my life, which is school and swim and work and everything and I think that was really helpful for me I think I just gained a sense of like confidence like after I was able to accept this rare skin condition I was like why can't I accept anything else like why am I not sharing my opinion why am I not participating in class like it makes no sense because my voice matters like especially in this vitiligo community we have to participate because there's so few of us so I think that was really helpful for me at school and participating at school and making sure my voice was heard. Absolutely, absolutely. I'm jotting down notes, guys. Um, so don't think I'm not paying attention. You you are saying things I think are very important and I'll bring them back up in just a second. Look, let's go to Vince New. Yeah, so my story is very similar to Vitiligo, sorry, to Bella um, about my uh, sort of takeaways from vitiligo in the positive aspect first like both of you said i met such wonderful people at the world vitiligo day conference it was my first time and i'm so so grateful to meet all these wonderful people and i would never have met these people if i didn't have vitiligo um so that's one thing but the second thing is similar to bella personal growth um the main thing is strength i think what i gained is strength to overcome any hardship that came my way. Accepting vitiligo and not just accepting, but also taking pride in my vitiligo kind of helped me overcome a lot of the hardships that I faced later on and sort of use it as a bet, like use it as a positive thing, use it as a way to strengthen myself rather than let it bring me down. Like, why should I let this hardship bring me down? I should just use it to let me as myself grow. Um, and that mentality is what I gained from my journey with vitiligo and acceptance and overcoming hardships. So I just applied that same mentality I had to other struggles that I faced later on, primarily with mental health and overcame a lot of the things that I never would have imagined I would have if I didn't have vitiligo. Absolutely, absolutely. Some great words. Um, I wrote down a few things that you guys said and I'm gonna kind of elaborate on these. Um, first one is acceptance. Um, that is probably the most challenging part of vitiligo is accepting the fact that you have this disease, accepting the fact that you're going to look different from other people and accepting the fact that 
there's no cure. And and I'm gonna tell you, the adults have the same issues. Um, I was one, I've had vitiligo since 1996. I always say 95, 96, cause I get the years kind of mixed up, but I've had it for quite some time, but I did not accept it until 2019. And that's a long time to live without accepting, this is what you look like, this is what you have, you know, cause I had to make a choice. What am I gonna do to live, you know? And I, and I often say that to some people I interact with, you know, I know you're having challenges and I know vitiligo um, can sometimes um, make you make the choice to not do certain things, but what are you going to do to live today, you know, and tomorrow? Like you have that power, you have that choice. And I, I started thinking about this. You wrote strength. Yeah. Once you get to that point where you can conquer that fear, you can conquer you know, that that moment of anxiety, I think it builds you up. You know, the more you say, you know what, I'm going to do this, regardless of what my skin looks like, it gives you that strip, you know, and you start to pile on that armor. And after a while, you know, you say, okay, I can do this. And you start doing things that you enjoy in life, you know, whether it's going to a concert, we know right now people have started to get back to doing these things. And, um, but there are also those moments where you might take a few dings, but you say, you know what, that's right. I, I got a little nick in my armor, but I'm gonna stand up. I'm gonna stand tall and keep doing it. I'm gonna keep going forward, and that's the choice we make. And I was explaining that to somebody um, earlier this week. We make choices. We choose to surround ourselves with people. We choose to say, you know what, I'm gonna do all the things I want to do, or we choose to hide, you know, or stay in the house. Or and and I, I'm gonna be honest. I have my days where I say, yeah, I don't want to go anywhere today. Then I wonder, is it because of my vitiligo because I just don't want to go anywhere? That's what you have to decide. You know, what's keeping you from exploring the world? What's keeping you from doing the things you really want to do? Is it really your vitiligo or is it you? You know, we all have, we have vitiligo. We have to learn to live with it. And that's what we're doing. I'm looking at the two of you. You're living your lives with vitiligo and you're young and you still have more, more things that you want to do in your life. And um, even for myself, I'm older. I'm not going to tell my age, but I do have a birthday come up next month um, <laughs> where I have to say to myself, you know, I have to live my life. You know, life doesn't stop because my skin looks different. No, it keeps going. Time doesn't stop either. Um, you also put my voice matters. Yes, our voices matter so much. As a community, if we are out there spreading vitiligo awareness and education, I think that's a big part of the puzzle, you know, people that don't know, we have that right to express, hey, this is what my condition know, this is what my disease is. It doesn't stop me from doing anything. It just makes me look unique and makes me stand out. And then I have to decide for myself, you know, if I'm going to stand out, what am I gonna do with this, you know, moving forward? Um, and I'm gonna say this and I'm gonna throw it over to the next topic I have, then we're gonna wrap things up soon. This podcast was given to me. I was asked to share my journey. Before that, I never talked about vitiligo. I know I had it. Never discussed it. Never went into de details about how it affected me, what it did, nothing. And what it did after that 30 minutes, it gave me a voice. Um, it allowed me to continue to not just share my journey, but talk to other people and help them be able to share their journey because some people are shy. I get it. Some people uh, don't want to share 
not because they don't want to, they just don't know how, or they feel that somebody's going to judge them if they listen to this. But I said, we all have the right to share and, and talk about what it's like to live in our condition, live with you know, vitiligo and how it affects us. Um, but also we got to learn to laugh, you know, and I tell those people, it's okay to laugh. It's okay to have fun. Um, it's okay to do those things that bring you joy. Let's not just focus on vitiligo, vitiligo, vitiligo. So on that note, let's talk about some of the things that you guys like to do that bring you joy. Something positive that, you know, if another teenager's listening that has vitiligo, they can say, oh man, Vishnu likes to do this. I wish I could do that. Oh, I can do that. So let's start with you, Vishnu. Um, what are some things that you like to do that brings you joy, happiness that you don't even think about vitiligo? So just to clarify, is this like just hobbies or activities I do outside of um, my work for vitiligo? All of it. Yeah, okay. just share. <laughs> so in my free time, I love to watch TV and listen to music. Um, that's just something that kind of takes my mind off of everything else, all the pressures and all the struggles that um, I would have to go through, like school or other things. Um, so I just love to just like immerse myself in TV and listen to music occasionally to kind of get my mind off of things and enjoy myself. Um, specifically, the work that really brings me joy in the vitiligo field is my work for, um, so, so recently I've been working on a, developing a phototherapy device that's more cost effective and is home-based. Um, I know we mentioned earlier how affordability is such a huge issue and I recognize that and I wanted to do something to change that. And throughout my high school experience, I've wanted to sort of give back to the vitiligo community because of my experience. And that's something that I really like, I enjoy doing kind of, um, like I love researching into that device and developing it. Um, and that's something that I, I don't really, ref I don't really think of as work. Um, I kind of, uh, it really brings me joy that I'm working towards something that could potentially aid the Vitiligo community in the long term. That's pretty awesome because I had a chance to hear that at World Vitiligo Day. I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, like you mentioned, TV, you know, whatever is music, whatever is going to bring you joy. Um, I watch a lot of TV, but I also like to paint, I draw, I write. Anything that's going to help me get through my day that's positive, I'm going to do it. Um, what TV show are you watching? Right now, um, I'm watching a couple of TV shows. One's called Peaky Blinders. It's on Netflix. Okay. And another TV show is called The Great Pretender, also on Netflix. Um, very interesting TV shows. I usually like TV shows that are, have a very intricate plot. Um, something that I can think about. Um, but yeah. That's awesome. You know, we, we all have to have something that, that captures our attention so we don't have to keep thinking about, oh, I have vitiligo. No, let's think about other things. So, Bella, what's some of the things that you like to do that brings you joy? It doesn't have to be vitiligo community related. But if there's also something that's related to the vitiligo community, please share. Yeah, so like you and Vishnu both said, I also really like listening to music and watching TV. I think it's just relaxing. I'm a huge Taylor Swift fan, so I indulge in that and i'm not necessarily watching a specific tv show right now but i think my comfort show is definitely friends i just watch that whenever i'm like upset or if i just want to relax um 
And then within the vitiligo community, I think about a year ago, I started a reading initiative. I know that Priyanka was also a part of that as well, um, where I read the novel or short story different, just like me by um, April Mitchell. She's also part of the vitiligo community. She wrote it and I've just been reading in the elementary schools and it's really lovely. Like Vishnu said, it's really not, I don't see it as like a tasking like activity at all. I think it's really rewarding to know that people are learning from my condition and that they're going to embrace their own differences after I've read to them and taught them about my disease and told them that it's okay to express their differences and to embrace them. And like Vishnu, I think that's really awesome that you're working to develop a phototherapy unit and I'm really excited to see what the future holds for you. And see for Vishnu, you know, I'm thinking of that, that, that unit you're going to create, like, is it going to be a handheld? Would it be something like a, a gauntlet that we could put on that? You know, I'm thinking of all these superhero things. I'm a big superhero fan. So I'm thinking, oh, he's going to create an Iron Man armor that could help heal, you know, vitiligo. So what, what's that? What is, what kind of unit is that? Yeah. So I've been working on it for a couple of months. Essentially it's going to be a handheld phototherapy device. Um, and it's going to have the same components as any other phototherapy devices, uh, other, other phototherapy devices, but there's some features that certain companies have that certain companies don't, and we're trying to make, um, the best of both worlds. So Davlin, um, which is probably the biggest company for phototherapy has a prescription timer and a, um, and a, uh. Uh, like a countdown timer that kind of like it has all the features that dermatologists use to prescribe to patients, but it's very expensive. It's around $750 um, per handheld device. And sometimes that varies because of insurance, but because of that's because of it being so expensive, not a lot of people want to buy that, but there's other companies like Colonel medical that have the same phototherapy units, the handheld one, but they don't, and, and it's more cost effective around $300, but they don't have all the necessary components that dermatologists require to actually prescribe to patients. So what we're, what I'm planning to do is um, taking the features that are required in a phototherapy device for dermatologists to, uh, to prescribe to patients, but also make it very cost effective. And when I say we, I mean me, and also I'm receiving a lot of mentorship from Dr. Omith Pandya. Um, he agreed to kind of mentor me through the process and guide me whenever it's necessary. So I'm really grateful for that. Um, I'm, he's, a, he's a very busy man, um, but he's willing to kind of call me and talk to me about it. But yeah, the, the device is essentially a handheld device with a countdown timer and a prescription timer to prevent overuse of the device so that the dermatologist will have to put a passcode to actually um, allow access to the device. So um, it's safe to use, but that's pretty much it. And it will use UVB, um, UVB narrowband treatments, 311 nanometers. And right now we're in the prototyping stage. We're developing the first units and the electronic engineering is a little difficult, but we're managing to get by and hopefully we'll figure out a prototype as soon as possible, probably within the next month. That is so awesome. And I wish you two much success. And I'm gonna say you two because he is your mentor. Uh, much success on this and that um, it's always good to hear something new that's being developed for the community, you know, because sometimes we feel nobody cares and nobody's thinking about us. 
but no, people are. And there are other uh, great things happening for the community, some things that can't be revealed yet, but once they are, you know, whether it's whether it's something through the medical field, something through entertainment, whatever, you know, like there are a lot of good things uh, that are happening for the vitiligo community that will bring some awareness and recognition to us where we can share our journey and, and express to the general public, this is what it is. This is how it is to live vitiligo. And this is what it's not. Um, so, yeah, so a lot of awesome things happening. And I appreciate you two sharing um, uh, some of the positive aspects of vitiligo that some somebody else, what not not just the youth, but even some of the adults can take with them that, oh, it's okay for me to watch TV. It's okay for me to listen to my music or to just sit around and dance or, you know, go bowling and go hiking, all these things. There are a lot of things we can do that we don't have to think about our skin, you know? Uh, we just make sure if we go on hiking, we take the proper steps to take care of our skin. But, you know, there's so much we can do to take the burden of living with vitiligo off of us and just start to enjoy life. So we're at the end of our podcast. So what I always do, I ask my listeners, uh, not my listeners, I ask my guests to leave our listeners with some words of encouragement. So we're going to start with Bella. If you can leave our listeners with any words of encouragement, um, and that could be for teens, it could be for adults or anyone, uh, please do so at this time. Thank you. Did you want like related to vitiligo or just in general? It, no, just in general. Because uh, mm-hmm. guess what? We're people first. Sure. I love <laughs> that. I love that we're people first. Um, I would say always look for the positives in situations. Like it can feel really bad at times and your feelings are not invalid. So feel those feelings, but also try to find the good in the situation because there's always someone that may have it worse than you and you can always find happiness and joy and positives in life. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you for that. Let's go to Vishnu. Yeah. So my piece of advice would be very similar to what I learned And it would be rather than letting a hardship cause you to struggle and weaken you, use it to strengthen yourself, use it as a benefit, use it as a um, something that kind of uh, allows you to grow Um, because people are going to be hit with hardships all the time. And it's about how you deal with it, right? It's how about how your mind processes it. And I think that using it as a plus instead of a minus would strengthen you and would make you a better person overall and would you'd be able to deal with it much better. Absolutely, absolutely. And for our listeners, I want to say thank you for tuning in. My guests today are Vishnu and Bella. Unfortunately, Priyanka could not be with us. She's under the weather, so we're going to wish her to get well soon and, and then next time she will be on the podcast with us. But before we hang up, before I close this out, Y'all have something special that's coming up really soon. Um, Does anybody want to speak about that? Yeah, I can go ahead first and then Bella can add on. But me, Bella, and Priyanka, we're planning on starting a podcast tailored for the youth where we would primarily co-host it and get youth with vitiligo on it and kind of hear their journey. So we have this perspective of how they struggle with vitiligo and how they overcame it um, or not. But I think it would be really nice to hear um, 
from the youth and also kind of have the youth listen to these podcasts. And um, because I think that a lot of youth with vitiligo struggling with it um, could kind of relate to a lot of the people coming on the podcast, but that's what we have planned. Like even this, like talking with Mark and with you, Vishnu, was really helpful. So I think expanding that to other people involved in the Vitiligo community, especially the youth, would be really helpful because everyone has a different experience. So I think sharing is really beneficial, not only for us, but for the people who are sharing, just to let out their thoughts, let out their feelings. So I'm really excited. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm excited, too, because I, I always said we need to hear from our youth. You know, and I have you two on here today. However, to have your own show and to be able to connect with the teens or even our younger kids, um, to hear somebody who's younger, because yes, I'm speaking most times from my experience and what I've gone through as a half a century year old person, you know, like um, I have a different set of experiences, whereas you guys have a different set. And I think you could connect to the younger demographics much better, you know? And so I look forward to hearing your podcast, look forward to seeing it out there. And that way we can help spread the word, you know, through BitFriends, through GBF, that our teens have their own podcast. It's important for you to listen. So our listeners, make sure you are listening out and looking out for um, the podcast from the teens. We'll give you some time um, or we'll update you when this podcast is available. Um, you'll see some some signage up there. We'll see flyers just announcing this podcast when it's available and ready to go. But yes, we'll look for that from our teens. But there's a lot of great things happening in our community. So just make sure you're checking um, our Facebook pages and social media so that way you can see what's happening. And that way you can know that we are doing things, big things, and we're connecting people from around the world. So once again, our listeners, you are listening to living life and love i'm your host mark braxton from raleigh north carolina and this is a special edition of perspectives and today you have the perspectives from the teens as i always say make sure you love someone whether it's your friend your family your loved ones it could be a co-worker it could be somebody just you see on the street but most of all look in the mirror and tell yourself i love you i want to play an excerpt from priyanka who could not join us but i wanted to make sure that her experience and her thoughts and feelings were also shared during this podcast. So stay tuned to listen to. Hello, my name is Priyanka Francis and I attended 2022's World Vitiligo Day Conference. It was my first time ever attending and it was really great to be invited and to be able to meet some people in person that I had only ever met online before. Uh, such as Valerie, Miss Millie, and I met so many more new people. And I was able to also make new friends because there were quite a few teenagers there. And during the World Vitiligo Day sessions, the teenagers and kids all had their own room that they could go to and interact with each other if they were getting tired or if they just wanted to hang out with their friends. And so being able to have that space where we could connect with people our own age was really fun. We also were able to do activities in that room. We got vitiligo Barbies. We were able to do vitiligo trivia. 
we were able to get purple merchandise to represent our vitiligo pride. And so it was a very, very moving experience for me to be surrounded by kids who looked like me. I don't really know anybody else in my area or in my school who has vitiligo, so being able to interact with people who did have it and learn more about their experiences was something that was really special and really invaluable. And we also heard a lot from physicians, doctors, caregivers about what it's like to deal with an individual who has vitiligo. And we got a lot of information regarding the different types of care that doctors offer. For example, one parent spoke about how one of her sons was diagnosed with vitiligo and was cared for by a very, very sweet doctor who was very clear-cut with the information that she gave the family. And when this woman's second son was diagnosed with vitiligo, he had to go first to a doctor who was completely dismissive of him. And I think those types of stories helped us realize how medical care needs change and the attitudes surrounding vitiligo and how it's treated should also be changed. We were able to hear some really interesting presentations on the effect of vitiligo on the quality of life of children, adolescents, teenagers, and that is an area in which more research has to be done. But it was very interesting to see how children are particularly affected growing up and how children who have had vitiligo for longer have developed coping mechanisms versus people who are diagnosed with vitiligo when they're, say, 14 or 15. Now they have to go through life as someone with vitiligo and they have to learn those coping mechanisms all by themselves. They haven't been able to, you know, fully adjust to the gravity of their situation. So hearing about things like that was really eye-opening to me. I also was able to hear about how vitiligo affects people of lighter skin, people of darker skin, equally psychologically, physically as well, but psychologically, which I didn't expect. And I think it was honestly really encouraging to see the progress that is being made towards vitiligo treatments and honestly just seeing the demeanor of the physicians who were present. They all seemed like they cared very, very much about vitiligo, which I was very thankful for because, you know, sometimes you don't always have the best care in the medical field. So being able to see that people have such positive, empathetic, caring views towards individuals with vitiligo was very heartwarming. And it also made me deliberately tell myself that I want to provide that type of care when I grow older and become a pediatric dermatologist. So it was very, very fun overall, and I can't wait to go to the next one. I would like to thank everybody who was there and who took the time to fly out to Minnesota.
Thank you for listening to Living Life and Love Perspectives with your host, Mark Braxton from Raleigh, North Carolina. BitFriends podcast can be listened to on Blog Talk Radio, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and on Facebook. Once again, BitFriends podcasts are sponsored by My Bitter Ligo Team.